0: Tavi Tamfi, who's the CEO and co-founder of Old South. How are you doing, Tavi? I'm
1: doing really good, thank you.
0: Great, good to have you on here. Now, before we start, tell me a bit about your background so you know who you are.
1: Yeah, I'm a like, um, mathematician. <clears throat> I love uh, big data and I love, love to resolve complex problems uh, around us. And I've applied this this interest and uh, the skills in different uh, like world-changing companies uh, over the last almost 20 years, I helped uh, to build up uh, Skype, which some people might still remember, global peer to peer calling company. And I I, I was uh, fighting fraud, great card fraud over there, and account takeovers uh, globally. And then I I, I moved on to WISE, transfer WISE back then. And again, in WISE, uh, I was responsible for AML uh, products and and, um, operational teams. And I learned a lot about regulatory requirements across the world. Uh, I learned about uh, criminal behaviors, terrorist financing, uh, how to stop them, what are the challenges uh, in, the, in, the, in the industry. And yeah, I'm, I've been applying this knowledge and learnings uh, from those previous companies now over the last like four years, almost five years now in my own company called Salm, helping other institutions to, to tackle the fraud and AML yeah. problems um, while being compliant.
0: And what is all that
1: you do? Well, we are like missionary, like company. We we care about like we have, we're beating financial crime. Like we we're, our mission is to beat financial crime. And we have a vision that when we bring together like financial institutions across the Europe, uh, enabling them to exchange information between themselves about uh, possible crime, then this this world will become much uh, safer place. So, for that, we are building um, like, um, technology platforms or software platforms which enable um, banks and fintechs and other financial institutions uh, to co- connect to each other uh, in their crime fighting operations. So, like, they are able to exchange data points about suspicious customers, dodgy transactions, keep the historical memory about uh, events which happened with them. Basically, it's like AML and crime fighting teams, the teams communication layer that we're providing them.
0: So yes, you can provide them. If, for example, you know of a certain criminal, he does things a certain way. You can you can sort of let them have a database of of things to look out for.
1: Yes, it's like um, a, a bit more complex. It's yeah. like um, actually, it's it's more transactional as well. Like if, if the information is missing, like one one let's say one bank or one fintech is running a case investigation around some person and they're missing some critical piece of information about let's say true source of funds uh, of this person mm-hmm. and and there is a need and opportunity now to ask uh, this information from other counterparty institutions who, who might have this information like in case that in case they see the transaction was like related to this person so so it's not about database itself because that's uh, regulator wise in GDPR world mm. it's it's not that straightforward to set these kind of databases up but it's completely fine to allow to ask specific questions about concrete uh, objects from other counterparties and um, you can think about this as like a super secure and compliant uh, messenger that, yeah. uh, that people can use but with uh, but, but regular Consumer facing messengers, like different, either Facebook or whatever, uh, there is like quite loose uh, requirements and controls around them. Yeah. In the heavily regulated uh, banking sector, that's super critical to set these things up correctly in order to mitigate like tens of different risks, which, yeah. which are relevant in this case. So that's uh, a that's difficult part.
0: And I guess you also use a lot of this is done with AI and machine learning as well.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's in some sense we do, but it's uh, for us it's are um, asking this question. Like, uh, yeah. like uh, just my high-level explanation is usually uh, the data sharing and collaborative crime fighting. It's uh, it is a new equivalent to AI in that space. Yeah. So it's not technology-wise, but concept-wise. Like, if uh, if like five years ago or ten years ago, people were really keen to to get all the benefits out from the AI in different areas of the world, and including the financial side of things in London, the and financial crime. The AI was super hot, and this still is. Then actually the other paradigm that that's now getting introduced is, is the collaborative crime fighting. So yeah. some, some of the technical can use also AI, but that's not relevant, it's like more about new conception is brought into game, yeah. which is at least as, uh, effect, at least as effective as, as AI.
0: And also, guess if, for example, the uh, new regulations is brought in by the EU or a certain country that your clients are using their products, you will update and let them know.
1: Yes, that's that's really relevant because I like covered this spring, actually, the first half of this year, the regulations are changing in, in EU and UK as well. Yeah. And, and the, they are like thanks to the global regulators, like we have Financial Action Task Force, which is suggesting different countries and the uh, unions to improve their laws. Now, Financial Action Task Force has uh, recommended long time that countries uh, should allow um, this peer-to-peer communication or collaborative grant I think, much more between the banks. And now, luckily, in the EU, there are, like, just right now, there are like dialogue discussions going on uh, between the Commission and Parliament and member states to make it much more, like, um, Allow and make it more, much more easily regulated uh, this uh, fincain data exchange. Yeah, and and that that's like what all the countries in in you are looking up to right now. Some countries have already like like some um, points in place, which like in Estonia and a few other countries. I know that in Ireland as well, there yeah. are like actually some things are already allowed. But thanks to you, this um, this permission will become much more clear and much more easily explainable.
0: Yeah, because I I think, well, I'm assuming that in the long term, it would be ideal if most countries in the world had the same AML regulations in place. be easier for you guys as well.
1: Well, yes, like, uh, the good thing is that principles, like, for majority of the countries are already the same. Like, core principles are coming from the same agreements. Yeah. But the devil is always in the details. and Like, when it comes to something new or innovation, and, like... um, trying to explain that this new innovative thing is actually allowed in your legislation, then quite often especially more conservative organizations, the lawyers uh, are usually quite resistant to these kind of changes and it takes time actually to convince them and explain them why it's necessary and why it's why it's not even about like why it's allowed. Like usually people do yeah. get it when it's allowed and when it's not allowed. It's not that poor cool, but it's more about even if it's legally allowed, then uh, why the heck they should use it? Yeah, like and that's like that bringing bringing a very clear arguments for their legal teams. That's that's uh, definitely one um, challenge in the sales process. Yeah, but the, but the uh, the pressure is increasing from the governments and from their organizations and from the institutions. That 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 makes it easier actually to expand the networks as well.
0: Yeah, and what about cryptocurrencies? So you. Do you have any uh, area than that that you're working into or looking at?
1: Yes, that's also a really interesting space. Like If you're look, thinking about the cryptocurrencies uh, themselves, like uh, Ethereum or Bitcoin, in their own world, um, then over there the collaborative graph, I think, is already happening from day one. Like uh, Because the, the crypto protocols are so transparent and you can see transactions, uh, wallets, uh, and protocols you uh, there are companies who are offering uh, this kind of uh, suspicious uh, red flag sharing. Yeah. Uh, there are like many, many of those in that space. But the problem is that when you go come out from the crypto space or go into the crypto space, basically the fiat to crypto, yeah. crypto to fiat, where you're like sending your salary from your HSBC account to the crypto companies. This is like where the link is. Missing right now, and that's very broken. So basically, if the red flags are found in the crypto space, they're not reverted back to the banking, uh, yeah. and vice versa either. From the banking, like some banks are finding out that uh, this is uh, dodgy money, like originating from strange places. There, there is no other way to communicate this information to the crypto companies, or also like companies or communities of people than using our like um, our platform, and that's uh, that's what make that. This, like, this approach, like basically connecting cryptos and uh, and fiat companies together again into the same communication layer, will help to reduce massively the risks but also to be more compliant uh, for them.
0: What's well, to me the scary thing is you got so many different cryptocurrencies out there. Which cryptocurrencies do you trust and which do you not trust?
1: Yeah, it's not just for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's of course like there is like a community intelligence or intelligence from the community uh, which has gone into this like it, the older and bigger cryptocurrencies i think the majority of the assets are still kept in like four or six or less than 10, yeah. 10 protocols and and these protocols have been like um like different white hackers have been and uh, black hackers have been, have been trying to attack uh, those uh, uh over the last years and years and years and uh and all the bugs and problems have been brought out already and again In in these days, we see in the world that there are still every time when the crypto space is connected to the banking, like like it happened with the uh, um, USDT cryptocurrency, where some of the assets were held in the SVB bank, uh, Silicon Valley bank, then of course, like uh, things over the weekend uh, fall apart. But actually, the crypto protocol itself was still secure. So and then while saying that uh, like these top five or ten guys are really transparent and really strong, then there is a heavy tail of, of like other uh, protocols, thousands right. of other protocols, and some of them are definitely touchy and and I wouldn't trust them because they have been validated by much less people than this big one. So
0: yeah.
1: it's like there is no bull, and but it's again like um, some like a continuous um, risk, uh, and there are different types of risk coming from. the like which coming from protocol, coming from the path hackers, coming from the like links to the the uh, fiat world as well. So there are many things that could go, get, that go, could go wrong, actually.
0: Yeah. Now getting back to Salve, you recently uh, had a close a four million euro fundraising. How did that come about?
1: Well, it was like last year when we closed, and we announced it and um, this year, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, right right amount of money in the right right time yeah. so we are like uh, it's more important than where do we invest that money or like where and now we are as um as before last year we got uh, one network up and running which was in our home market estonia yeah and and we got decent evidence uh, that uh, it really brings benefit for the banks and fintechs and crypto companies around them in terms of the crime fighting so we saw that um, uh, like, like institutions were save were able to save like uh, millions and millions and millions of stolen money from their customers A quality of their suspicious activity reporting went up drastically uh which they did to the to the fiu and and uh, people really liked like to use this network communication network and and thanks were willing to pay for that as well so that was like the MVP a prototype that we launched in one country again, like covering all the banks in one country, it's not a small thing. Yeah, but thanks to this learning uh, over a year ago, we were confident actually, if we invest more into our sales and, and product, then actually we can repeat this um, same model in other countries as well. And by now, we have already like a uh, Three or four other countries, like some of of them are using already fully, some of them are using like some organizations yeah. inside of Europe again. So that's that's where we're investing this money to to repeat the success we had in one country to repeat it to other other uh, networks networks and regions as well.
0: And you plan to go further, feel like maybe Africa or Asia or America?
1: Not really, like now. Like in the future, yes, but like now we're looking at Europe as a as a whole Continent, which yeah. is like um, we have, like just to put into numbers, like we have about five thousand retail banks and maybe two thousand uh, fintech companies here. We have like uh, yeah, we have EU regulation, but actually in each country the regulations are still slight, slightly different. We have UK like massive market, and 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 due to this complexity and size, uh, institutions in EU, EU um, uh, wider Europe actually, yeah. institutions are spending. Uh, I think it's like uh, almost two-thirds or like it's three-fifths of the global email spend happens in Europe like uh, globally, it's estimated uh, that companies are spending 250 billion a year yeah. and in Europe it's 150 billion is happening here so uh, and again like that's the whole spend like from people and systems and everything like that but but actually, the problem is the biggest here in Europe as we see it so once we I mean, once we have resolved it's largely over here then then of course like we're willing to move on but now now we're focusing on like converting thousands and thousands of financial institutions uh, inside of Europe into the platform, like um, collaborative brain fighting uh, uh, platform customers. Yeah.
0: So I, I guess you know in, in the short term you want to expand in Europe and then in the long term look further afield
1: Exactly, yeah. and that's why, like, I'm really happy to see that, like, uh, Ireland is also like uh, among the top uh, innovative countries. Like, it's not, surpri- it's not surprise uh, in general, but it's like uh, over the over the this year actually, we have seen a lot of progress happening in Ireland as well around um, collaborative crime fighting initiatives, and uh, there is decent need for that, like, due to the tech tech scheme you have over there, and and we're working quite closely with with many. Many top players there to launch it uh, quite soon in, in Ireland as well.
0: Yeah, because well, Ireland is basically uh, seen as Euro- European Silicon Valley, and it's only right that when we're that kind of thing, we need to have someone like you coming in to make sure we're we're coping with all the regulations, like tech stuff.
1: Exactly, and there are like um, what I've seen in different countries uh, in Europe, it's like people, no matter what level, usually pretty senior people, but but still they. The core assumption is that um, okay, the stuff that that was legit in your country is not okay in our country because we have X, X, y, and Z reasons, yeah. and that surprisingly, all these reasons uh, are actually the same. Like these excuses are always the same in every country. So it's uh, this pattern keeps repeating it over and over again. So there isn't actually everyone thinks that they're special, but and they are special. But uh, but but uh, but it's like uh, the ways how, how to resolve this risks and problems are exactly the same in each country, so that that kind of makes it easier. We have the toolbox ready for that, but again the explanation for the people still takes time actually.
0: Yeah, I guess the hard thing is when you're doing one country and then you realize another country isn't following the exact same regulations you're trying to sell them the same product and make sure that, look, this is going to be needed for the future, because in about five years time we'll all have the same regulations.
1: Yes, it's... uh it's it's more about like um, not only about regulations but actually interpretation of those regulations and and which comes down to the local cultural background um, former failures like some countries in europe have had massive scandals with uh, privacy issues like where the the like government has done something wrong even not in the financial world maybe in some healthcare or some yeah. other uh, communications uh, sector as something has gone really wrong, but actual publicity is is really sensitive about this data sharing. So again, the laws, the formal what's written down, might be exactly the same as in other countries, but actually due to this cultural background, uh, the like, it might be much more sensitive and uh, like much harder to launch something over there. So these are the, the cultural differences um, which are, are like having impact on sales sales progress as well.
0: Yeah, and I guess if you can get those core differences and make sure that letting people know what we're doing is actually not going to change your culture, but it's going to make, make your country a bit more secure, they'd be happy to go along with it.
1: Exactly. Ultimately, it's like, again, it comes down to um, core values of the people. And, and like, if you think about, you have some criminals or some potential, crimin- potential criminals who are like killing people or like yeah. bringing in illegal immigrants or selling drugs in the streets to the kids or, like, helping uh, Russians to uh, in the war. Yeah. So these kind of people are moving their money um, across the borders and between the banks and between the fintechs and into, into crypto space as well. And now the question is, like, should we protect these people's rights uh, and not um, tell to other banks what they're doing? Or, like, even if we suspect that there are terrorists uh, uh, like running their financial operations through one institution, then why the heck were, like... Uh, Willing to stop uh, this information moving from one institution to other, who might be able to stop these these bad yeah. guys, and uh, like uh, basically that's like where the public interest is higher than the private uh, person's interest if this private person seems to be criminal. And like if, if you think back to this like modern Western values world, then there is no question what we should do. And and if. Uh, like, that, that's ultimately something that helps people to get on the same page, yeah. and then it's possible to go through the concrete legal legal points and obstacles over there.
0: Yeah, I guess if you share information, and uh, over a period of time, they're more inclined to trust you and go with it.
1: Exactly, that's
0: uh,
1: <clears throat> that's something where the you mentioned trust. Like it's it's really interesting uh, to see how this trust uh, is el- elaborated across yeah. the community, like uh, it's um, when we get the uh, like first couple of institutions in one region or one country to change data, they, they need to be innovators and they need to be early adopters, but it, it doesn't need to be 10, it's like yeah. three or two, is enough? And when they get the first sense of whats what it is actually, they're, they're getting some first benefits out from that, then the rest of the community and the rest of the financial institution, um, financial network around them will follow quite easily. So they're usually the, the hard mass or great mass of the companies are just watching for some leaders to take initiatives. Yeah. And if these leaders have, have done that and they have been yeah. successful, then it's like becomes really viral again. Like everyone like wants to wants to act as um, as their like mental leaders or the most coolest coolest guys. Yeah. And it's like of course like you, you see that in the in the school classes and like in the other communities of people yeah. but actually the same thing happens in the financial sector as well which was really surprised for me to see this kind of uh, like me- mental uh, shape actually over there. If
0: hey, for example a financial institution that's well known over Europe decides to implement your technology in, the, in all their mm-hmm. branches others will then follow because they see this is the right thing to do if they're doing it why can we do it?
1: yeah that's that's also true like uh although like again that's um, that's where the pain and beauty of the complexity of the banking institutions and industry lays is like when this uh, large group um, large banking group they have opened uh, like uh, if the group itself has opened a new entity in a new country then it's like fairly easy but if this group has bought up like uh, another bank from other country uh, then the name and brand might be the same. Yeah. Actually, it's still like the core systems and core legal structures and working procedures are very different. So under the same group, there are still multiple different banks in other under, under different jurisdictions, and it's um, sometimes it's easy, definitely, but sometimes it's like uh, as hard as going into some other other names. So. But is, but the uh, like on the wider wider scale of things, people are really waiting for them. A cross-border information exchange. Like they are, like uh, always in the discussions, they are thinking and talking that okay, if I can get it up and running locally in my country or in my among my network, that's great. When I can exchange information about possible criminals, but actually, let's think bigger and let's let's start to exchange data across the borders because the criminal proceeds are moving also across the borders and they're moving in real time. So that's why like the. The system, also platform that we're building and offering, is is like covering uh, multiple jurisdictions and allows to exchange information in real time. Yeah, which are like the two two things which are really really needed by this industry.
0: And I guess lastly, you're making sure that all these companies and banks and the people use your products are going to be future-proofed, and that whatever whatever you offer them now, they know that in five years time, any regulations that come into play, you, you you're already
1: Oh, uh, ready to, to deal with them yes that's that's for sure like that's where the I feel really good like having a strong technology team and strong product team in place who can think about these things uh, like uh, to build uh, future proof uh, things again legal input is one thing but also like uh, technical evolution which is happening around us that's a different thing so how to Ensure that there is like privacy by design built into the product. How to ensure that the encryption techniques are the ones which are like um, uh, completely uh, like like fine with uh, like increasing uh, power of calculations which are happening. How to how to structure the product in a way that it, it meets the current uh, banks um, AML procedures, but also like knowing how this procedure can change, like that this is like um, adaptable or use cases as well like how to how to split uh, how to build a product in a way that it's modular it's like API level so you can connect it uh, to your existing other like yeah. vendors platform <clears throat> so that's uh, yeah by design has to be built into the modern modern products
0: yeah, I guess it's a bit like Lego you can you can build and take away
1: exactly like, <laughs> it's like yes it's possible for us to sell directly to the end user institutions but actually it makes much more sense to partner up with different um, technology providers who are offering case management systems or who are offering classical AML portals or classical sanction screening portals. And they actually all have need to connect with other institutions through our platform. So like are partnering with many of the great, great names um, around us also.
0: Yeah, and that now I'll say, thanks for a great conversation, Tabby. Good luck in the future. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again real
1: soon. Thanks for that. Cool, thank you.
0: Thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter. At Irish underscore Tech News on Facebook, facebook.com/forward/slash/IrishTechNews on LinkedIn, linkedin.com/forward/slash/company/forward/slash/Irish-Tech-News dash dash on Instagram, instagram.com/forward/slash/IrishTechNews.ie and on TikTok, tiktok.com/forward/slash/At Irish Tech News.